You're already perfect. If you don't believe it, it's due to a poverty of your understanding. Get rid of that understanding and you will become rich. Hello there. I'm Gloria Felt, co-founder and president of Take the Lead. I'm glad you're here for the Take the Lead Women podcast with inspiring stories and powerful tools and tips to help you lead and succeed. Before we dive into today's podcast, here's your power quote. People say that money is not the key to happiness, but I always figured if you have enough money, you can have a key made. That's from Joan Rivers, the late comedian and the first woman to host a late night talk show. I love how that quote is the perfect lead-in to this podcast episode. What you need to know about growing your wealth with Stacy Tisdale and Sonia Smith-Valentine. These women will tell you exactly how to make all the keys you want. Hey, hi, everybody. I wish you a financially healthy welcome. I'm co-founder and president of Take the Lead. I am pleased to be joined by my amazing co-host, Reshma Gopaldas. Reshma is vice president of video for She Media. Hey there, Reshma. How are you doing? Hey, Gloria. How are you? I'm good. You know, we're also in the middle of summer when everything is blooming and growing. So this virtual happy hour is all about how to stay green, what you need to know about growing your wealth. And we have got amazing guests for you today. Hey, Sonia, I'll be right with you. And Stacey, look today at different strategies and solutions for you including finding resources to maintain and grow your wealth, exchanging habits that may block your wealth growth, like shopping <laughs> stuff, which I kind of like to do, and learning how to decrease financial stress in your employees and much, 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 much more. As you know, the mission of Take the Lead is to reach gender parity and leadership across all positions by 2025, across all sectors by 2025. Women having equal position has to have equal financial position along with it, or it doesn't mean a whole lot. And we all understand that now, I think, more and more. And, and that's what our guests are going to talk about with us tonight. All of us succeed or none of us succeed. And that's why women working together and diversity and inclusion within our mission are absolutely essential. So we've already got a lot of questions coming in. I'm thrilled about that. Be sure that you stay until the end of the conversation and you'll get a free, really useful compilation of resources that will help you stay green. So we've been putting that together for you to help you um, after the virtual happy hour start to really implement some of these things. So Reshma, you know, we've made a lot of progress, maybe not a lot of progress, but some progress toward gender pay equity. I don't know about you, but didn't you love having the women's soccer team fighting for fair pay? I think that's just great because there's such icon now and people will pay attention and they really got the in Europe we've seen women really rising to the top Christine Lagarde is the new president of the European Central Bank Michelle Gass the new CEO of Kohl's you know we're, we're moving we're getting some things done but there's still a whole lot of work to do and all of us here today are here working on those things and so I think we should just go ahead and dive on in right. and find out more about how we can talk about money and work and what we need to do to build our wealth so Reshma can I throw the ball to you Yes, you can. So, hey everyone, we're very lucky tonight to have Stacy and Sonia with us. So I'm going to give a quick intro on both of them. Stacy Tisdale is the president and CEO of Mind Money Media Incorporated, which is a broadcast business, and she's a broadcast business journalist and author of The True Cost of Happiness, The Real Story Behind Managing Your Money. 
she's been a business and financial journalist for more than 20 years. Stacy created a financial literacy curriculum called Winning Plays, and plays is spelled with a dollar sign at the <laughs> I read as winning play dollar for elementary to college age students in conjunction with the NFL Hall of Famer Ronnie Love's All Stars and helping the kids foundation. She also created a financial education and life skills program for professional sports teams and corporations, including the WNBA's Washington Mystics, New York Giants, and the female employees of Microsoft. Pretty amazing, Stacey. We're also joined by Sonia Smith-Valentine, president and CEO of Financially Fierce LLC. <laughs> Sonia is a lawyer, financial expert, keynote speaker, consultant, and trainer for 25 years. She has helped managers save over $4.5 million in costs due to improved financial acumen. She's a motivational speaker, which we'll soon see. And she's a regular source for media outlet. Sonia's story is really interesting. She survived a devastating car accident. And during a year of physical therapy and recovery, she finished law school, took the CPA exam and the bar exam, and learned the importance of perseverance, determination, hard work, financial know-how, and leadership. I mean, I like stubbed my toe the other day, and I was like, I don't even know what you are. Welcome, everyone. So, uh, guys, just a reminder, please start tweeting your questions to at Take Lead Women or put them in the chat box. Um, we want to hear from you, and Stacey and Sonia are happy to answer your questions. Right. Well, I always have a first question that I like to ask everybody because what we've learned from the people who tune into our virtual happy hours is that what they want to know more than anything else is your story. How did you get to be you? What was your path? How did you get here and why? So, Stacy, can we start with you? Well, when I was two, no, I'm kidding. I appreciate the question. As you mentioned, I've been a financial journalist for over 20 years, and I started my career at Wall Street Journal Television, where I had the privilege of becoming the first female and the first African-American to report from the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Wall Street Journal Television had Emmy Award-winning Wall Street Journal Report, which is still on. And after seven years there, I went on to CBS, where I became the first on-air reporter for uh, CBS Market Watch, which was an amazing experience because I got to do all the CBS shows from the morning show to CBS Evening News with Dan Rather, which dates me. Everything else in between, I left there to go to CNN. I worked at other major news outlets, PBS. And I tell you all those things because what that has done is given me a very unique vantage point to see how people relate to money. And I became very frustrated with what I saw because few things work as simple as money. Don't spend more than you have. Don't borrow more than you can afford to pay back. Don't invest more than you can afford to lose. But money, also a leading cause of divorce, a leading cause of depression, a leading cause of substance abuse. So obviously a lot more to this story than dollars and cents. So I remember I was on at the New York Stock Exchange and I had a two story. My first story was like, here's five tips to help you get out of credit card debt. My next story was that the average American family has like $15,000 in credit card debt. And I was just like, what is it about money? Why can't we, myself included, get it right? There's so much information out there. So my mother used to always tell me instead of DNA, I have W-H-Y, which is probably why I became a journalist. 
So that question set me out on what I had no idea was going to be a six-year research project into what drives financial behavior. And I was very fortunate because of my career, I had access to just the greatest minds in the world in terms of finance, in terms of psychology, sociology, which is much more the direction my quest for the why led me to. And the problem became clear that when we have trouble with money, we go straight to save more, have to invest more. But the real causes of our financial experience have got nothing to do with numbers. And I was able to identify three key areas that push our financial buttons and it's conditioning around how we saw money handle it when we were growing up, conditioning around social messages, which really come in three forms. There's social messages to keep up, live a certain lifestyle. There's social messages about gender. There's social messages about race and culture, and then how we feel about ourselves. The dance is really learning how to manage conditioning and learning how to not identify with those messages and rewrite them, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I put together that research and I wrote a book that that you mentioned, The True Cost of Happiness. I worked with Dr. James Prochaska, who's the leader in the science of behavior change, and really gave people a way to identify with their authentic values and priorities, see how this conditioning knocks them off course, and then create a financial plan that's relevant to who they are. So for all sorts of neuroscientific reasons that they can stick to. My book, came out in 2008, which I hate to say was good timing, but it was pre-mail recession and a very emotional recession. And as soon as my book came out, I started on the Today Show. And a lot of people watched that show. And I think it resonated with a lot of people to hear money spoken about in this way. So soon after that, I was contacted by the White House to create a behavior-based financial education program. And that's when my light bulb really went off. I've had this weird journey so that I can help people expand the conversation and expand their awareness around financial issues. And I've kind of followed that road since then and created Winning Plays, my financial education program, done a lot of speaking. When you get into some of those you know, things that are really driving us and move into the career space, you get a lot into diversity, inclusion, Really helping people connect with the fact that, you know, my mantra, you're already perfect. If you don't believe it, it's due to a poverty of your understanding. Get rid of that understanding and you will become rich. As nothing can make us forget our perfection quicker than money, that we're born with everything that we need. So it's giving people the tools to remember that so that that can drive their decision making so that they can really own the fact that self-worth has got nothing to do with net worth. You know, it's so interesting uh, in hearing you articulate that, Stacey, is how closely it actually tracks the curriculum that we use at Take the Lead that helps women transform how they're thinking about power in general. Because in our culture, money and power are pretty much synonymous. And it's all of those same exact dynamics. I can't wait to get into more of that with you. But let's toss it to Sonia. How did you get to be you? So my story starts from when I was a kid, raised by a single mom and saw how much she struggled and was determined, one, that that was not going to be my life, and two, that I was hopefully going to figure out ways to help others 
for it not to be their life of struggle. My mom told me frequently as a kid that there was two things she was clear of, that I was always paying attention to money and that I was a debater. So she was not surprised when I got a CPA license and a law degree. I started debating, she said, from the day I popped out. So that kind of was where it started. The initial, I got to do something about this. I was just floored at the things that my mom gave up to try to make sure that I was okay, that I had an opportunity to go to school that I had an opportunity to succeed. And really it was because she didn't have those kinds of teachings in her lifetime about money and you know what to do to make sure that you're okay. So when I went to college, I be, you know, took up accounting, came out, worked for Price Waterhouse for a little while to get all the financial background, kind of making sure I know what I'm doing. And then I went to law school thinking, okay, there are lots of times where I started to notice that people were having financial issues that really the only way sometimes they could get help was through the court system. I saw lots of folks who the problem may not have been started by them. Let's take your credit report, for example. There's a mistake on it. You can't get it fixed, but it's now harming you financially and nobody's listening. Nobody at the companies are trying to fix the mistake. And really the only way they could get through it was to go to court and actually fight. So that kind of propelled me into law school. And then that's where that last year of law school, I had the crazy roller coaster ride where drunk driver ran into my car Thanksgiving morning. I was leaving. I lived in New York at the time. My parents and I were leaving New York. Parents were in the front. I was in the back. We were coming down here to where I am now in Maryland to visit family. And this drunk driver had been hanging out all night and was doing about 90 and slammed right into the back of the car. If you looked at the car from the side after the accident, the car ended at the back seat. The entire trunk had gotten brought into the back of the car. So that started my crazy year of, oh, I'm in my last year of law school. And I remember having to start physical therapy because I had to relearn how to use my arm because the arm on my right side was a mess. To this day, I still have issues with my neck, my back, my hip. And this was an accident that happened back in the late 1990s. It was like 96 or seven. I remember thinking after the accident, and thank God my parents mostly were okay, that I was not going to let this guy rob me of all that I had been working so hard for. But I didn't realize just how hard that was going to be. I didn't take my finals the fall semester. Everybody took them in December. I didn't take them till late January. I didn't start the spring semester, my last semester, with everybody starting in early January. I didn't come back till February. Luckily, the school was very accommodating. I also realized while I was in the middle of doing physical therapy and trying to get through my last year of law school that there was one section of the CPA exam I still had to take. And the deadline for taking it was also in May when I was taking finals. So I took finals at the beginning of May and I took the last part of the CPA exam at the end of May. And then I rolled right into studying for the bar exam at the end of July. In the middle of studying for the bar exam, which was at the end of July, July 2nd, I believe it was, was when the law school called me and my roommate in because we were living in an apartment building the school owned. And they said, we have structural problems with your building. It is no longer safe and we must move you immediately. And I went, excuse me? I am in the middle of studying for the bar exam, going to physical therapy, and now you want me to move in two days. Mm, what? <laughs> so when I talk about I had that year of 
you name it, it happened. It taught me literally a lot about determination, financial know-how, negotiating. I actually used everything they taught me in law school to negotiate with the school how this move was going to happen. I felt it wasn't my fault. They should cover the cost of the movers, cleaners for the apartment I was going to, and every other financial cost I had. <laughs> Somehow I managed to pass my finals, pass the CPA exam, pass the bar, and move. I still don't know how I pulled it off. But I think it was a lot of it had to do with the night of the accident, the uh, drunk driver got out of his car. And the only thing he was concerned with was that his car was messed up and that he had blood on his shirt. He had no concern for my health or my parents' health. And I think that made me so angry that it just made me determine that he wasn't going to rob me of what I had already been on the path of. Many people don't realize the bar exam is only twice a year. So if I didn't take it in July, I would not then have been able to take it till February. And it would have literally pushed me a whole year back. And I was just determined that 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 wasn't fair. I didn't cause this accident and I wasn't going to let him take it from me. So when I came out, after having the crazy year, you don't realize how much you can achieve until you're in that kind of situation. If somebody had asked me ahead of time, I would have been like, there's no way I'm doing all of that and physical therapy. Not happening. Until you're in it, you don't realize just how deep you can dig. But I came out and I started practicing law first. And I started doing a lot of financial litigation where I was representing individuals when they had disputes with their mortgage company, credit card company, credit bureaus, things of that nature. And they were running into problems trying trying to get their issues heard, resolved, dealt with. And one of the themes that I kept hearing over and over again when I started asking people, I realized at least the people who were coming into the law firm to see me, I'm thinking you're motivated because you're trying to get your finances in order. You know, you realize this is a good thing for your family. I was surprised at how often it was, well, no, it's affecting my career. Oh, okay. I'm trying to, you know, get a new job and my credit report keeps holding me back or I'm trying to get promoted and the position involves having access to finances or I need a security clearance to move up. So I got to get my finances dealt with. It was like it was often something outside of the home that they that drove them to come see me. And so when I finally decided after 20 years or so of practicing that I wanted to do something proactive instead of reactive, because obviously in the law firm, the problem had already occurred and now they're coming to see me to try to solve it. I took all that I had learned both from the litigation because I got the opportunity to put a lot of executives under oath and do a lot of depositions and put people on the stand and get answers that just blew me away. I wanted to take that knowledge and the knowledge that I realized somehow it being tied to their career or something going on in the workplace and be proactive. And that's what got me to start financially fierce and start working in the workplace on trying to help people realize there is a tie between your money and your career, not only just in terms of your advancement, but also in your freedom, in being able to say, hey, you know what? This job, they're not treating me well. I can leave and go someplace else. And you're not tied to the job because the salary they're paying you, you need every dime of it to pay your bills because you're living above your means kind of thing. It, it really can let you have freedoms that you don't know that you can have when you've got your finances in order. You could decide to switch careers. You could decide you want to go into something that pays less. You know, you could say, okay, I'm tired of being an engineer. I really want to be a teacher and know that you're going to take a lower paying job because your finances are in order. So 
that was kind of a lot of the motivation around me starting Financially Fierce, being able to help people understand a lot of the connection between what's going on with our money, what's going on with our careers. And knowing that often when I started to make that connection for people, I got them to then pay attention to the rest of what I was saying about how to deal with various financial issues. We have so many questions that have come in from our viewers that I think we want to go ahead and start with those. All right, so Jenny wants to know, she says, I'm not making enough to save very much with my student loans and high rent. What do you recommend so that I don't get further behind? Stacy? do you want to take that? Sure, a couple things. First of all, student loan debt solutions. A lot of people don't realize all of the options that are out there to help them with their student loan debt. For example, now a lot of employers will offer to pay your student loans as a ben- kind of like a benefit as long as you agree to stay with the company for two to three years. There's public service loan forgiveness. Be careful with that one because the Trump administration is kind of gutting it a little bit. But um, take a look at public service loan forgiveness. A lot there's um, a lot of careers like you can get student loan forgiveness if you'll spend you know certain amount of time as a teacher. Research definitely around that because, you know, there's just new realities of the economy that, you know, other generations haven't had to deal with student loans. Other generations haven't had to deal with having to fund their own retirement and health care. Things like multiple streams of income, side hustles, that's the norm now. Technology is also a big friend. There's apps out there that will let you help you save money. They'll find extra savings for you. My son's 14 now, and I think when he was like, 11, he told me to attach my debit card to Acorns. Of course, it's his money because it was his idea. Acorns is an app that has this roundup feature that every time you use it, suppose you spend $4.51, it's going to take 49 cents and it's going to invest it in an exchange traded fund. These types of things, don't pay attention. You look at these accounts and I think that account now has about $4,000 in it. Check out my website, mindmoneymedia.com. There's a story for the woman who submitted the question, how to train your brain to save money. Also, I have a webinar, Change Your Mind, Change Your Money. And I think um, those will offer some good advice as well. So uh, Marissa asks, there's a great retirement plan at my company, but should I be doing more than this? Sonia, do you want to take that one? Sure. I believe in not having your money all in just one place. I think one of the stories of that is Enron. When, you know, all the employees lost everything because they had everything tied up in their company. Yes, you should use the retirement benefits that are offered at your company, the 401k, but you should still outside of that do your own savings in IRAs, Roth IRAs, you know, CDs, all kinds of things, not just only rely on putting money into the 401k at your company. And if I can just add to that, well, I'm sure that Sonia will be coming back to this again and again. Goals are going to be what provides you with the motivation to stick to a financial plan. And goals also actually get your brain making better decisions. And again, bring mindfulness to your money. What does your ideal retirement look like? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? You might not need $20 million for retirement. I might need $20 million for retirement. What's it look like? What's that going to cost? And let your planning come from there. Figure out what are your values. I want to be spending time with my children. I want to be on vacation. I want to be living in community. I want to be living in alone. Figure out what it looks like. And then that'll help you figure out what are the best decisions to make when it comes to saving for retirement.
This podcast is brought to you by our great friends at SheNegotiates.com and 81cents.com. They offer a great service that will help you make more money. You provide 81 cents with the facts of your offer or your current compensation, and they give you fair compensation data. Then Victoria Pinchon, co-founder of She Negotiates Consulting, prepares a plan and coaches you to make the most persuasive case for your title change, your promotion, career advancement, opportunity maximizer, and of course, pay increase. Check them out. I'm going to tell you they get amazing results. And you can find out all about Take the Lead services to help you accelerate your career at taketheleadwomen.com. Join our mailing list there to stay on top of our events, free resources, and training and coaching services to power up your career. You are listening to the Take the Lead Women podcast with Gloria Felt. That's me. Now, let's get back to our guests, Stacey Tisdale and Sonia Smith-Valentine. Guests, uh, Rachel, what was that question? So Janetta asked, some of my friends do these fun splurge weekends where they fly to a spa somewhere warm. They are super fun, but I can't afford it. And if I do go, I end up charging it to a credit card. Do I need new friends? (laughs) (laughs) Expand your circle. (laughs) Can I actually answer that one? Sure. Okay. Go for Um, it. And the reason I want to jump in is I have a group of girlfriends that I've been friends with here 20 years. One of the things that I think was happening early on in the friendship was folks weren't saying things like, I know everybody wants to go to dinner, but I can't afford to go this week. Instead, I think sometimes some of them were coming even though they really couldn't afford to and they were breaking their budgets and getting into debt and credit card debt and things like that. After a couple of years, I ended up finding out some of this was going on and I actually sat my girlfriends down because here's my theory. If we really are truly friends, then we should be able to say to each other, I can't do that. And I sat my girlfriends down and I had a conversation with them. And I said, I don't want any of us ever to say to themselves, everybody's going, I don't want to be left out. So I'm going to go, even though I don't have the money, whatever it is, whether it's dinner, vacation, I don't care what the thing is. I said, if you really can't do it, you need to say, Hey ladies, I just can't. And then the rest of us, in a no judgment zone can either say, you know what, come to dinner anyway, I'll cover your meal. Or, you know what, let's reschedule so she can afford to go. And I got to tell you, you would think that folks would have been like, oh my God, it's going to get judgmental, so on and so forth. You'd be surprised if you're really truly friends, it has worked out wonderfully. None of us feel bad at any point in time when it's like, hey, the car just broke down and I just put out you know, $600 for the car. I can't go to dinner. And the others will either often go, we got you. Don't worry about it. Or, okay, you know what? We'll wait a couple of weeks and then we'll go. And I think all of us have done better financially because we're now honest and we're not trying to play keep up. I think that's something you really have to do. You really, she needs to sit down and say to her friends, I just can't keep doing this. And at times I'm going to have to say no. 
No need to get new friends. Just be honest. I, with get new friends. I don't plan on getting new friends. I really love the friends that I spent last week in Cape Cod with. But I will say this. There's a little shop there. At every year, a friend and I go and shop. And I said to myself this year before I went, I am not going shopping. I am not going to buy anything. Well, guess what? You talked me into going and... I came home with a big bag of stuff. I'm still thinking, why did I do that? You know, it's not like I really needed those new clothes. I just wanted them. So separating needs from wants is one of those things that we got to learn how to do. Hey, we've got a great question here from, I think it's Marie. Yeah. You want me to read that one? I make enough money today and have socked away a decent amount to retire and maintain my lifestyle. However, I am concerned about the crazy inflation of healthcare costs. With the idea that Medicare may go bankrupt, how can I ensure that my healthcare costs will be covered as my age and health challenges advance? Wow. Oh, that is such a huge question. That is a huge question. So, who wants that? that? You look like you're... Yeah, it's a lot. Because um, I'm in a situation with a family member now and when we are planning for retirement most of us you know had that image of planning to retire around 65 70 and needing maybe you know 15 years you get you gotta have like another 30 years most of us sitting on this within this sphere right now are going to be a hundred years old are going to live to be a hundred years old so retirement planning is very different the dance is going to be with our health issues. So things like long-term care planning, long-term care insurance. There's also um, types of insurance. Insurance is an area that very underutilized financial resource. There are insurance policies that let you build up a cash value. Some of them are called VULs and they're a little bit more expensive, but if you have money saved for retirement, you might want to look at things like a VUL where you're building up cash and it's, it's not about waiting until you die. You can have access to that cash. For example, I always tell people like buy a life insurance policy for your child because they're building cash in this. And maybe when they're 40, they want to use that for a down payment on a house. So there's lots of tricks out there that can help you build for your retirement. And I would definitely talk to a financial professional about creating a healthcare elder care plan because it's its own animal now because again, we're living so long. So most of us, you're absolutely right to be focused on that. Estate planning is very important and something that we all should do. But for most of us have to realize you have a seven times greater chance of becoming disabled or ill and plan for that. So this is something that you know has to be, definitely get its own financial plan, but you're um, very correct to be thinking about it and talk to a professional about it so that you can create something that fits your goals. Let me jump in just really quickly and add something to that. I have long-term care insurance myself and my husband. The earlier you get it, the better because it's cheaper. When you're younger, it gets more expensive as you get older. That's one. Two, in addition to just the financial plan of how you're getting the money uh, for your health care and in your retirement, make sure that you're also including doing power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney. Because that's another reason why sometimes the funds get eaten up because there's no power of attorney in place if you're sick and somebody else needs to be able to access certain things to make sure everything still runs the way it should. So 
also, in addition to financially planning it, make sure you get the documents together so that your finances don't get screwed up if you get sick. Thank you. Great advice. You know, I think that the, there's a question behind the question about what's going to happen with Medicare. The fact is we can't know for sure. And so it's always good to be better, better careful than sorry. So Ariel asks, as a middle manager in a small firm, I'm doing okay with saving, but my daughter recently went through a crisis and I had to dip into those savings. How can I recover? And what if this happens again? Life does crash in. We have family, we have children, we have people we care about. We have, how do we plan? Well, something really important to do is to how to manage financial stress and to realize that our money flows and our life are going to be different. Jobs are going to be lost. Divorces are going to happen. Kids are going to have unexpected things. You know, financial stress impacts decision-making. Northwestern University researchers found that it increases the risk of stroke by 20%. And it's just, you know, makes you lose it basically. So take emotional stock of what's happening with you too. You know, the financial We'll talk about in just a second. I'm sure Sonia has a lot on all of this as well, but um, really being present, realizing that your financial situation is going to change, being honest. And also one thing that parents have to realize is that it's very tempting to dip into our retirement savings and things for our children. And you can't tell a parent not to do that because you're, you're, not, you're not hardwired to deny your child when they're in trouble. But one way to think of it, it's the mindset is that, what you're really doing is giving your child a financial burden, you, when they're at a time in their life when they need to be taking care of their own children. So really think about the big picture. It's, you know, who's going to take care of you if you give the, all of this to them now? And there's different models out there. A lot of people are planning to live you know, for families to live within community. There's a great New York Times story last week about how friends are creating their own retirement communities. So that alternatives, we're all going to have to do things and we're all going to have to create new normals because the system was never set up. Even long, long-term care wasn't even designed to last more than a couple of years. So the system is not to how we live yet. But just be, you know, always be mindful of what you're doing. Manage your emotional stress. I have a lot about financial stress on my website as well. But also, you know, you're going to have to rebuild those funds. So you're going to have to, you know, take it from scratch. Figure out your goals, how much they're going to cost, where you can cut back to save just to yourself back into financial wellness. So managing the stress piece of it is really interesting to me because like everything else in life, it's as much how you react to it as it is the thing itself. It's great that you have those resources to help people deal with all of those different levels. So Sonia, I know that you're very adept at helping people save money, helping businesses, helping people cut costs in their lives. What do you say to somebody who says, I just can't see any way that I can trim costs anymore? It's funny, you know, one of the pet peeves I have sometimes when I'm paying attention to financial articles, conversations, is it seems it's always focused on the expenses only and not focused on the revenue side of things. (laughs) And I'm always like, can we talk about the revenue side? (laughs) I'm a firm believer in there's a point of cutting costs that you just can't cut any further. And I don't necessarily believe in cutting it 
100% to the bare minimum because most people eventually will implode from it. If it is way too stringent, you have to see a movie every now and then. So if the costs are as low as they can be, you now have to look at the revenue side and you have to say, okay, is my job such that maybe I need to be looking for a new one with a higher salary and better benefits? Is it that, no, I got a great job and this is about what the industry pays for this position. And instead, maybe you need to be looking for a part-time or side gig, um, something that you can bring in some extra money. But it definitely is a revenue issue at that point. So it's either new job or promotion at your current job or new job, higher salary, or it means looking into some kind of side gig, side hustle that you can do part-time to bring in some extra money. Because if the expenses can't be cut anymore, the only other option is to find a way to drive more revenue. Just to add to that, we're moving into a gig economy because that old formula, work hard, save, it doesn't add up anymore with student debt, longer lifespans, all the things that we've been talking about. By 2027, the majority of the U.S. workforce is going to be freelance. With this new gig economy has come all these new interesting tools. Angela Yee and I do a monthly event called Wealth Wednesdays where we just did a thing on side hustles. and We had Fannie Mae there talking about how they've now created products where you can use crowdfunding, Airbnb income, side hustle income to qualify for a mortgage. I was you know, if on my site, mymoneymedia.com, we have a lot of ways that you can earn extra revenue, but I'm so glad Sonia made that point. It's always so important finances to solve the right problem. It's a revenue issue. And a lot of times when it comes to solving the right problem, that's where you have to get into the behavioral aspect of money because it's being able to recognize patterns and messages you tell yourself that do not serve you. Were you always telling yourself, I'll always have trouble with money. People like me don't save. It's a man's job to manage money. We have, I call them money scripts. They're messages just like an actor follows a script. Blindly follow these scripts without thinking about them or without being aware of them. And they, that's what will drive your behavior. So be honest yourself. What are the messages you're telling yourself about money? You're telling yourself you have a spending problem. Do I really have a spending problem or do I have a revenue problem? And then change those messages that don't serve your goals and figure out, okay, what would I be doing if I was living in step with my goals? Last preachy thing, money's greatest gift. And for me, really, it's only purpose because it just has so much up and down. It's what I call the money mirror. It can reflect back to you where you're not living in step with your priorities and use it for that. Priorities, priorities, very important. Focus, intention, planning, all of these things. So when you think about what is the one biggest takeaway that you would like people who are with us tonight, our audience tonight, to leave with? What would each of you say? Sonia, what would be your biggest takeaway that you want to leave with the people who are joining us tonight? The biggest thing I would want people to take away is I know that we, for so long in our communities, had this thing where talking about money is taboo. We don't have conversations and everybody kind of keeps to themselves about it and that we've really got to break out of that. We've really got to start having way more conversations, not just, you know, me and my husband, but 
talking to the kids, start teaching them early so that they don't make the mistakes the generations before us made. And that sticking our head in the sand and hoping the problem will go away is never going to end up solving it. And that you're not alone. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people are having financial problems. You're not the only one. It's not just you alone. You're not the only one who's made the mistake. So don't stick your head in the sand because you feel embarrassed. Instead, seek help and go out and there, you know, plenty of books. Stacy's written books. There's plenty of information. There are plenty of experts, but start having conversations about it. Don't sit isolated and embarrassed and think that's going to solve the problem. The very, very first way of getting the problem resolved is acknowledging it. And then secondly, going and starting to ask questions and get help. That's great. Stacy. how about you? What do you want to leave the audience with? Just building on what Sonia said, money offers a great opportunity to go deeper and a tremendous level of self-awareness communication that will improve every single aspect of your life. When she, the example she gave of that conversation with her friends, when she stepped out of identifying with those feelings of discomfort and said, let's get to a deeper truth, it changed the whole relationship and the numbers followed. So it's really, again, you're not defined by your financial situation. We tend to react to our financial situation, take a deep breath and look at what it's telling you and take the opportunity to step into that flow and to see what the disconnects are between who you really are, what your finances are reflecting. The numbers will follow. One of the things that I'm hearing from both of you, I think, is, uh, is, is not, not, not comparing yourself to other people, looking at yourself and seeing what's important to you. Am I hearing you correctly? That's tricky because I've been very good about not going. I'm a neuroscience, statistics, psychology nerd, and I've been very good about not pulling people into that. But the human brain actually gives you your sense of how you feel about yourself by comparing you to other people. It's Leon Fessler's social comparison theory goes back to 18, what have you. That's how people have to understand how we work because we tend to come at things with, you know, with willpower. Don't keep up with the Joneses. And that it doesn't work because we're wired to keep up with the Joneses. So understand yourself, understand that you have that tendency, understand your patterns, understand it's human and step out of the judgment, the shame and blame. You know, I always to tell a very short story of my mother used to give this um, benefit at her school where she would give mothers who didn't have money to buy their kids Christmas presents. She'd create a fake store with fake money. One of the mothers received a prize and, you know, was asked, what's the first thing you're going to do with that money? And she said, I'm going to go buy my son an Xbox. So you can imagine all the judgment that came. Every image this woman sees, a normal kid and normal parents are giving their kids Xboxes. Of course, that's what she would have thought was a normal thing to do. So understand that we're human and we have these patterns and we have these tendencies, but there's more to us. And get out of the whole shame and blame stuff. We have that human side. Very, very interesting. So you've mentioned that you have a lot of resources on your website. Stacey, how can people find you and where would you like them to go to find the resources that you have? My website, mindmoneymedia.com. You can follow me on Twitter at stisdale one You can find me on Facebook, my company, Mind Money Media, and Instagram, 
Remember this one, Stacy Tisdale, eleven twenty, and that means that you all now know my birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sonia, how can Marty. people find you? Party at Stacy's house for her birthday. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you can find me at my website, which is financiallyfierce.com. You can find me on Twitter at Sonia Valentine. And you can find me on Instagram at financially underscore fierce. So we have a fun last question that we like to ask. Okay. I'm going to ask it. You want to ask it, Rachel? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Stacy, let's start with you. What's your go-to song or quote that kind of keeps you revved up? Oh, I don't know if I want to say that on broadcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's my go-to song? Or quote, if you prefer that. I know mine. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I tell myself that quote a lot. You're already perfect. If you don't believe that, it's due to a poverty of your understanding. Get rid of that understanding and you'll become rich. And I just blast all sorts of loud, fun music all the time. So. <laughs> okay, so I'm a little, I'm a little worse than that. Tell me, when I'm having one of those days where you're like, okay, I need something to get me ripped up. Believe it or not, I play um, DJ Khaled. He has a song, "All I Do Is Win," oh, and it's very hyper. And it gets me up and dancing and gets me back in a, okay, all I do is win. So we're going to figure out a way to make this a win. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I'm supposed to have something really profound. No, but to be honest, profound. that's what it I play. Profound. Perfect close for this virtual happy hour. <laughs> just going to tell everybody, you know, you've got a win. You have a win. You exactly. are able to do this. You can do this. You're a winner. You're the winner. Everybody is a winner. And certainly everybody has been a winner from having the opportunity to listen to the Aww. two of you, Stacey and Sonia. You've been just fantastic, given so much good advice. Be sure, everyone, to go make sure that you download the freebie compilation that we have done for you. Additional financial resources, including some of theirs. And we will be sending out yet more uh, in our follow-up emails to everyone. I just want to say thank you so much to our guests. Yeah, Sonia Smith Valentine. Remember those names and don't forget, you know, go to their websites over and over and over again. They'll be a huge help to you. You are absolutely an integral part of Take the Leads Network. All persons moving toward gender parity by 2025. Everybody go to our website as well, takethelewomen.com to learn more about how we can help you and your organization achieve gender parity in leadership by 2025. And please share all of this with your friends and connect with Stacy and Sonia on social media and share all of this with your friends and colleagues. You will have all of this in the chat box. Thank you all for being with us. That's a wrap for our virtual Thank happy you. hour this month. Thank you. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. Go green, everybody. Thanks for listening to Take the Lead Women. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with other women, please. It's a great way to reach out, reconnect, and build your network. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't already. And we'd so appreciate your taking a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. 
By helping grow this show, you are helping women everywhere take the lead in their own lives. We love to connect with you on social media too, where you can tell us how you are taking the lead. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Take the Lead Women, on Twitter and Instagram at Take Lead Women, all one word. And I'm at Gloria Felt everywhere. And join me again right here at the Take the Lead Women podcast. You'll get something new to help you lead and succeed every Sunday. Till next time, power to you.